Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name's Terry Minot, and you're listening to the Honest Actors Podcast. Hi, my name's Jonathan Harden. You're listening to the Honest Actors Podcast, Series 3, sponsored by Today Ticks. If you want great offers on theatre tickets, access today seats on your mobile and exclusive front row lotteries, you need Today Ticks. The ticketing app that lets you see theatre differently. To get tickets with no queues and no fuss, download Today Ticks now from the App Store and Google Play. Thanks for joining me again for another episode. We are into episode nine, as I said, of series three. So after this, there are but three more to go, perhaps forever. So uh, if you're enjoying them so far, please do share your favourite moments with hashtag best of honest actors. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at honest actors. I'm on there as well, if you care to search. And that's really all I got to say. Thanks for listening. Here it is. Episode nine, recorded on the 10th of October, 2018. Enjoy. This has been a long time coming, it seems, so thanks for uh, having me around to your abode. My pleasure. And Gracie also, if she were able to speak. She's settled in. She's settled now, finished chewing. And the kind of name of the game is, I suppose, it's a, an honest conversation about some of the things in the industry that don't get talked about, but also it's an opportunity to talk about some of the things that we don't get to talk about, so it's not just that they're not talked about for good reason. I think some of, sometimes the things that, like if you're doing a job, all you get to talk about is the job and people are like, so Terry, tell yeah. me about your character, right? And we very rarely get to talk about anything of any great import or Oh yeah, well, the eyes are bearing down on you from yeah. the producers and the studio. Yeah, you've got to hit all the, yeah. hit all the checkpoints. You know, I agreed to do this role <laughs> rather than, I was desperate to do this role. I love that. That's one of my favourite questions is, how did you come to play the part? And they always say, well, I read the script. Yeah. And I really loved it. Loved it. What they don't say is, I read the script on the train, on the way to the audition, the way, didn't yeah. quite finish it, yeah. walked into the room with, you know, or 20 they other didn't people. show me it and it was just one scene and at that point I'd have done anything really. Yeah, I mean, you've got to understand, it was January and I knew I hadn't put enough money away from the tax bill. <laughs> Thanks man, motivation of acting. I always, I think you can look through people's careers. And you can almost see the films they did in October, November, December. Well, Michael Caine, you can, can't you? He said literally it was like that was the... Uh, End of year, shit, your accountant phones and goes. That was the extension. That was the garage. That was the swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I don't get those sort of jobs. I get like, that's the shoe. It's the trainers. <laughs> that's, the, that's the second-hand winter coat. It's the shoe zone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> 
Um, so I start these all the same way mm-hmm. and for for good or for bad, they are fairly, I guess, formulaic in that one of the things I decided at the very start of this was not to research people before I interviewed them because then I would ask them about specific jobs and they would become like every other interview and I'd say, what was it like that time you worked with Jonathan Harden, for mm-hmm. example? And you'd, you wouldn't be able to remember it. Uh, but I, the same question all the time is uh, that I begin with is how did you get into acting? I should say as, as a kind of addendum. That's good. Mm. is this is my favorite part of the interview and afterwards for me it really goes downhill because i just love <laughs> i love listening to how people get into it because it's the most various answer yeah and also there's nothing quite looking at people well, smile it, it can also be like talk. uh is it chunk from uh from where he's asked to explain everything and was it goonies and it goes, yeah. he goes goes way too far back and he's yep. like yeah i think people can go i think um, the mimic is when because I've done a lot of comedy acting and there are no rules some comedians are great actors but it's a different game and when we did the mimic um, it dictated what it was because we had great actors in it who approach comedy slightly different and it was real uh, And but luckily I'd done that classic thing of uh, we had a taster we did that four minutes and then we did 11 minutes and each time it was just getting more and more horrific. I had this mad thing with my intonation. I think it's because I was trying just too hard and in between then, I mean, but I'm 36 by the time that gets together and failed music career and roaded for uh, wedding bands and stuff like that. So I didn't even know I was heading into it and a terrible stand-up. Like I thought this is me, I'm doing stand-up. And I went and did stand up, and that was the worst. How do you know you're terrible? Is that like an instant? We well, can't feedback? speak. Right. Okay. So uh, literally, I, mean, I did yeah. two point six seconds. That's good. I did this terrible thing where I did. Terri- I thought you were being falsely modest. I thought maybe you'd seen a video I on YouTube better, and thought I wasn't that good. No, no, no. So I did this thing where I went and six month waiting list, and then uh, you get on, and it's a bloody competition, and you should never do competitions. But it's just how it falls, how you get the so gigs. You had a life before performing really. yeah um i think that's what's probably unique. well like 21 i have yeah. i'm in a band yeah so you're in a band uh there's a big gap before like you did a i can't i can't remember but it's, i have a notion that you did some um, uh, impersonations on youtube oh yeah and that's when i had an agent though that's after a failed oh right so stand up so getting to that point i guess you had a natural talent for that vocal stuff right yeah is that is that something that that does go way back is that something that yeah that's, that's like, like living in a village on right. your own and like walking around like it's the 80s and you so you you know i mean if you wanted star wars you had to just talk it over and over again but obviously i was terrible at impersonations when i was a kid but you were kind of like giving it your all as you went and kicked a dead tree to death or <laughs> just endlessly thwacked it stinging nettles and stuff you know what I mean but there was a lot of time of being a kid uh, so you're acting like you basically you're not my father whilst kicking stinging nettles yeah use the horse look use the horse <laughs> farmers chasing me everywhere but uh, yeah I guess that yeah and is that then I mean are you are you a kind of uh, 
are you attention seeking at school? Or are you the kind of guy who impersonates teachers? Yeah, I think I'm that... so heavily dyslexic and numerically rubbish, and that the whole academic thing was a complete waste Is that of the time. Numerical equivalent of dyslexia, just numerically rubbish. Yeah, well, if, if you're dyslexic, don't ask the person to explain <laughs> what they are with numbers. It was a waste of time, school. So they used to say, "Try your best." And, it, you know, my best wasn't good enough because it was just nonsense. So I became a comic, you know. It was much easier just to muck around. And and, and so I'm guessing that uh, there was nobody in your in your immediate experience who made a living from the performing arts of any no, kind. No, no, we literally... So music was the most obvious thing because you knew that... I, I knew a couple of people and I like sung at a party up in London and then that sort of like... It's always like just make ripples in the water and something happens you know it just it always takes like a really long time and i'd done some things and jammed with a guitarist and eventually that that led me to somebody who knew what they were doing really do you think all through that time you were without making it about predestination or you know any of that kind of carry on do you think the acting was where you were uh, were always going to end up probably but you just didn't know any way well, into my it mum or... and dad right when i first got into it were like okay they were always having that chat you might need a proper job not with the acting just with generally being an idiot who couldn't hold down a job at all uh you know job for life get something at the post office yeah. something like that but my mum and dad would regularly shock me and say you know you should think about doing some acting and stuff but i had no idea how to get into it and i i mucked about at school so much that i didn't I wanted to do drama, but it was like singing really well in music classes. It was better not to. It's just that awful, you know, um, like yeah. fitting in thing where you think, well, I can sing really well, but I'll just sing normal. And so I missed the whole drama thing. And then I was out at school at 16. So it was, and it was, it was a desire, would you say, like, you know, you, that the mimic was the first time that you really obviously were working as an actor in a way that, you felt validated or you felt that probably you could stand up and say, yes, I am. I'm an actor, right? Yeah, pretty but, much. But back yeah. then there was still that, that latent kind of desire to do that, to stand up and, and be someone yeah. else or. Well, when I, I mean, I used to be a van driver and I, I, I would deliberately half the time take the cassette player out. That's how old I am, the cassette player out of the van and all the way up to Edinburgh would be, you know, I pretend to be somebody or and it wasn't until late that I started turning them into um, impersonations into Terry Wogan stuff. That's know. exhausting, right? Like you, you probably arrive in Edinburgh exhausted, or do you find that just no? Like, it's the sound of my right, own voice, so right. uh, it was fantastic, you know. And I, I'm quite shy in a way, so I wouldn't do it in the real world. So as soon as the door shut, you know, uh, and you're on your way up, it would be a mass explosion. So what's the transition then from being quite shy doing that? in the van on the way to Edinburgh and actually owning it in front of another human being. Just run out of options. The music was easy because I fell into it and I knew people and then I was on my way. Once that fell away, I tried for another 10 years to get back in the game and it was it was not doable. And then I just went to America uh, on a holiday and I met this American guy and I was making him laugh and I thought, right, on the way back. And then I had this roadie job, which I'd booked way too... I hadn't thought about the time thingy. And we couldn't turn the lights off because we had to wait till three to pack down. So we were underneath the table, me and my mate, and he's a proper bass player, and we're roadieing because 
we've got to make money and we're just underneath this table hiding from the light because no one could find the automatic light switch. And I remember saying to my mate, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this. So literally that Monday got on the internet of what the internet was in like 2004 and tried to find out how you got into stand-up. It was like, I can't not do it anymore. And then I hid it from all my musical friends. Okay. Because I've got this thing like I'm never giving up. You got to keep that. You got to keep on keeping, you know. So, does it at any point does stand up become then the main line? Does it become primary to a secondary, which is music, or does no? I dump music. I dump music altogether. And then you're doing stand up, getting better. No, that's the missing link. Right. Okay. Got worse, I think. Evened out, you know. Really, really, really screwed up the first time. Got out there and did this rising intonation of Terry Wogan. And I was had this whole thing and I wrote like two hours of this shit. And I got on stage and I did this, you know, how Terry sort of rises up like that. And two girls in the front row, their necks craned. And as the, I went, it's like a shot down Spitfire. And then I thought, no, be a ninja, switch to this other. Because I had about three sets that I could do, and but it was gone. And like I run out, I literally went, I'm so sorry. <laughs> After months of prepping, and well, the, but I had I'm to laughing, go back that's, in. That's horrific. I had it's to go gonna... back in because my bag was at the back of the audience. So I had to walk back in and walk past the audience and the comedian still going to get my bag, the indignity. And I tell you what, what teaches you a lesson. You have to really screw up. And this, this sounds a bit up its own ass, but you do because I was looking at my reflection on the tube you know it beams back at you at night time and I was going you have fucked up so badly what are you doing with your life what are, why did you do that and then I had a gig that Monday and I went back and I thought well the pain of screwing up is so bad that I'm just not going to screw up and literally the same demons came for me that thing where you walk out in those first five minutes and it goes and literally I forgot what Terry Wogan did and I said what does he do and then of course the audience just throws back nonsense you know like unusable and luckily so that doing, was enough you were in impressions at this point at this point I would start with a few impersonations but it was more weirder than that and I think that's what sort of lost people um but literally the woman that run the uh, show said look the 2.6 seconds you did was great if only you could string words together um and she invited me back the next Saturday and I did it and I did really well and I walked out of there triumphantly but it was that thing where you do okay and then the bloke that was booking you is reading a newspaper it's that classic thing of like you think you're going to get in like Rocky and have some good fights well if no one's watching it's really hard to get back and you'd say are you going to book me again and they'd go oh mate I didn't really see you but we'll, we'll see come back and we'll put you on three and then five but I lost all together the will to live with it so from there to calling yourself an actor, right, mm. is as simple as the mimic. Is that kind of designed as a vehicle then for well, impersonations that isn't oh. that isn't the traditional sketch show yeah. vehicle? Yeah. Um, and, and before that, had you warmed up with any little short films? Or, no. Or, no, we were straight in, and it, it was it was oh, it was terrible. I had to go to my local library and get books out on acting. And of course, <laughs> I found one book that was so generic and completely rubbish, but there was one bit on it that helped with line learning. Because this is the stuff that no one ever talks about, because you are on your own. 
yeah. as a performer. Totally. No one can ever really help you because you're always like, and, and back in stand-up, you're going, how do you get more gigs? Who do you ring up? And no one's going to tell you because the entertainment industry, as well as every other industry, is a bit of a, a castle, really. And those that get in sort of like, they're all right, you know, and they can throw you a bone, but it's up to you to try and get in, you know. And, um, oh, it was it was tons of it. I, I can't imagine the stress of acting for the first time on camera. Yeah, where well, you're watching yourself way too much. Where... You're the lead in something. Yeah. Every scene you're in. And where the other cast in that are very, very good actors. Like, I mean, they're really, I mean, in a way, when you look at that now and see what those actors have gone on to do and had done previously, like, that was a real exceptional thing. Yeah. To be able to cast in it. The tasters I did was was with Neil Maskell. Yeah. And Neil is a horrendously capable actor. Um, And, yeah, you don't half notice it. So I did four and then 11 minutes. And I noticed my intonation everything's up here on that first taster and Neil's just flowing, you know, and not doing it. And, and that gives you like a lot of people say they don't look at it themselves. I think you might have to at the start, like to see what's going on or to take notice of what's going around you because the whole thing that I've found, like say personal journey is it's just like, a landing craft, you know what I mean? Coming off the beaches, the it comes down and everything goes like, and all you've got to do is just hold it together and blast your way through it. And then after that, about the third take, starts to flow a little bit better. Do you know what I mean? It's like those first rehearsals of it, those first two, you've just got to know that you can do it because that's the other thing you don't quite get. First, you've got to learn the lines, but then you've got to do it. From the moment you're in the makeup trailer, the heat's on, right? And then and there's people tapped into the mainframe all around you going, five minutes till so-and-so. Yeah, he's in the trailer. And you're like, oh, my God, I shouldn't be doing any of that, this. But this is terrifying because even for, like, I think a young actor, if you were, like, say, 22, 23, coming out of a drama degree or training or, you know, arriving without training in a city to do something and you got a small part, like one scene in something, that context is terrifying enough right when they so when they got me in one line and you're sitting in makeup (laughs) and you know the guy who's the lead sits down in the chair beside you and looks so much more relaxed and is with the actual makeup designer and you're with a daily and you're listening to people in the mainframe going yeah just like we can get jonathan moved as quickly as possible yeah and they're like well i need two more minutes and then their stress and kind of inflect infects your personal happiness and then you go in and you've got one line you've got one moment and then it's gone and you're in a car home thinking i fucked it like that to be doing that having that experience but know that you're in every there isn't a single scene in that show you're not in right pretty yeah, much yeah so yeah. so like that's terrifying the first series was terrifying and people were like are you enjoying yourself and i'd just say yes but i was lying i was like literally like just absolutely pooing myself every day but after a while series two it kind of cuts but 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 the middle of it you know because it's like every day you kind of get into it and you kind of get used to it but the first day when they drove me in because you know what tasters and pilots are like there's no money in the project so everything's done people are bringing their own sandwiches you know and the first day on the main show getting paid of the producers yeah 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and on the first day, they drive me in, and there's makeup truck catering. There's people buzzing around, and literally, I just had to go and like have. Oh my god, this is horrendous. <laughs> what have I done? Is that always that feeling? That's like, what they call living the dream, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's that thing of like. Why did I tell them? It's the same thing when you walk out and you do stand-up or you walk out and you do a live, you know, read-through for radio or something. You're like, why did I tell them I could do this? And then you bury it and somewhere in the madness it, it gets. But luckily I'd had those tasters. So by the time we get to the series, you know, I was, I was a full yeah. 12 minutes into acting. Yeah. And you'd read a couple of books as well from oh, the local library. Yeah, local library. What kind of books does a local library have on acting? Well, like generic, like dummy for acting like literally one foot in front of the other turn up but there was a couple of great things in there but and then stella uh, yeah she comes out and uh, that, you literally so you train with stella adler is what you're telling yeah, me i've got the book from amazon <laughs> and then halfway through it, it goes learn every color there is and i went yeah i'll do it that yeah and then on youtube and everything and tried to but like i say Real acting is in the heat of battle from the moment they go running mm. speed. Even before, no one told me there were words before they even said action, and that doesn't help when they're all doing. And when you screw up, okay, and then the guys, over. the guys looking at the guys, turning over, it goes clouds coming over. Should be five minutes, and you can feel everybody. Speed, going. you're like, what is speed? What do you mean? The amount of times I've seen actors in their first job, or not even their first job, just like. Somebody says speed or turnover and they go into the scene and everyone goes, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And then there's nothing worse because then you think, they know I'm a fraud. Yeah. They but, know I didn't I didn't wait for action. But that's nonsense because I tell you the great thing about being in that show is that you're with so many great capable people. I worked with Ian McKellen <clears throat> on some voiceover uh, last Christmas. They screw up all the time. But rather than say, sorry, 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 they just pick it up and off they go again. Or if they screw something up, they don't end a scene, which was one of my big things. They're going, sorry, I yeah. said it, not if. My big thing is going, uh, I'm much better at voiceovers now because I think you get a lot more practice at that than you do at anything else. But like, is uh, you fucking dick at myself, yeah. which sounds so aggressive, I think, especially in my accent. So if I'm in a studio and I'm doing something that's quite lighthearted and a bit of smile in the voice, as they say, <laughs> and then... It goes to fucking wanker. Yeah, we had that. Oh, we we oh, had a, we had a oh. steady cam shot, uh, and it went on for two minutes, and all the actors were a little bit nervy because, and they'd all done stuff, you know. Yeah. And literally, it was a scene where I'd meet four people on the way to to getting married or something, and Christ, like no one screwed up, but they just fluffed it a little bit enough to go balls take it again and then it got to one of the most capable actors in the room and he went bollocks and it like reverberated off the walls and went bollocks and that was it everybody and I referred to it as passing the hand grenade because once somebody finished their scene it was like yeah, it was like and just, the pressure builds the further you get into it oh my god and also whenever you see someone if you're the person that has to continue on you've still got the hand grenade and you see somebody who's just nailed it off off camera now going yeah, go, yes. yeah, and just fucking having a laugh having a like, cup of tea you know and you're, you're going fucking Stuart. well that's the thing that's the other thing you've got to learn to shut that drummer boy up in your head that sits there keeping bit pace going oh you did alright but that word you've been struggling with that's coming up soon and you're like go away shut up no shut I up. wish I had a drummer boy that kept time mine mine uh, rushes a little so my right, little well, drummer boy <laughs> will gradually 
is to tempos <laughs> like about you know 80 beats a minute and then by the time it's actually the scene yeah you have to go like i sometimes have to remind myself but it sounds really wanky about the character's uh heart rate because my heart rate's always like 20 30 beats faster yeah and so you go Mm, 60 beats a minute Jonathan 60 beats a minute because you're like I'm up at like 120 because I'm thinking oh shit oh yeah. shit this is take 7 and I have fucked every take yeah yeah. and I've had people come in and you're halfway through the shoot and they have three words to say and they are just screwing up left right and centre that's what I mean there's no logic to it and I've done it before I've turned up on people's thing and said three words and screwed it up there's just there's, it's almost harder I think there's, yeah because again, it's that hand grenade. And, and you put pressure on your shop as well when you have three lines because they have to be brilliant. And there's yeah, something lovely like about if you've got 50 scenes, you know that you've got tomorrow. Tomorrow will be better. Whereas if you've gone for one day and you fuck it, there's nothing like that journey home where you're like, oh. could have been better. My first ever thing we did was a character-based one. We played these characters called the Hicks and it was too ambitious and it, and it was weird anyway. And I had to go, uh, God damn, or something. And someone had to go, ooh. Yeah, and uh, uh, we did 48 takes and I remember hearing one of the crew going Jesus and, and then yeah. that that is it that was enough and literally that journey home is the longest journey. I don't know how many maybe that's a question what's the most takes you've ever done or something for people I don't know if I've ever got yeah I mean I don't think I've ever had an important enough part for anybody to let me get to 48 takes well we'd probably we get to take 12 and think we can cover this tomorrow God, with a actor. it was truly horrific but that's the thing you've got to always sit with that that journey home it's a load of crap anyway so normally at this point I would say uh, what was your first paid job as an actor but I think we've already answered that question because we know yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what were your expectations at the point whenever that show well, let's just take it right back. When you hear that show's happening, green light. What are your expectations for the career that may or may not unfold ahead of you at that point? I'm quite good in the way that, and it's a bit, you know, fluttery, but if something's in front of me, that's the main thing. So when the mimic came along, that's all I had. And then when I came out of the mimic, I luckily got, uh, I got an independent film, Captain Webb, and I had quite a big role in that. So I'm I can focus in what's going on from me. But the weird thing they, is they held Channel Four held back on the mimic, so we did it, and you know cars are coming and people are going. This is great, and then nothing for like eight months. We had to wait before I think we did it. Okay, all so March. then that's the question. I guess it, I guess more so than once it's come out. So you go from being a guy who is hiding from a light under a piece of stage with a mate going, I'm never doing this again, to being a guy who runs off the stage, you know, 2.7 seconds into a stand-up routine, to being a guy who is trying to get this thing together, doing some tests, a vehicle for uh, your, your impersonations, and then it gets made, and then it goes out, and it does pretty well. Yeah. And it finishes. Or after that first night first episode and I assume at that point you haven't got something in front of you it's it's no. you know it's unemployed it's now recently become an actor but now for the first time unemployed yeah Terry Minot on TV everybody's calling going you're such a success I yeah. can't believe it you're the face of this show I saw the trail for next week it's on all the time oh my god yeah what well I was out living in the middle of nowhere so I'd moved out of London so it was kind of a strange, all I could do was sort of like 
it took about three weeks for it to sort of pick up and then it gets really weird when you go on Chatty Man and, and stuff like that and you but, go on all these shows. Yeah, so, but, but at that point, surely you you allow yourself to go on a flight of fancy and think. I never do. You see, the problem is, is because you're always sitting on top of 50% it could go that way, 50%, you know, even in bands, you know, you do a great album, you get a record deal, but it's got a chart. You know, and I've got to wait and see if that rates all the way through. So there's a weird thing, you know, where you can't get too excited for fear of it yeah, but I guess, not ever I guess happening. The music industry has had taught you that then, so you were kind of at that point. Yeah, because I always, I still forget, and I forget. Oh, people have got to watch this. It's got to go down well. And you're like, God, this is like really layered, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. If you do, I've not, I've not done any plays, but if you do plays, it's, it can be quite immediate. But TV, it's always in the future, you know. It, it takes. But it quite is a, a false while. kind of security. I always find if I am unemployed, but I have something yet to come out. Yeah. But that, in a weird way, is I will cling to that like a life raft. So, oh God. So, yeah. so because a past version of me that yeah. was employed has yet to, that employment has yet to actually have the veil lift off it and be presented to the world. Yeah. That in some way, whenever that goes out, I know the apparition is that I'm working. Yeah. So people see you, Montelli, you could be in the depths of despair, in your bedroom, staring at the wall, thinking, <laughs> I have made a terrible decision. What have I done with my life? My father was right. <laughs> I did need a real job. Yeah. Right? Does that way, does that disparity between the public and the private, the reality and the perception, does that... Is that hard to wrestle with the first time that? I think always. Like, imagine if you're in something huge and you can't say, or you've signed a, one of them NDAs, or you know, it was um, all I could do is go to the, this awful gym that was next to me, it's down the road, just try and get as fit as I could, and I just buried myself in that. But then possibly drinking a bit, and you know what I mean. It's just like, just it felt like I'd gone from. It's a normal acting thing, really, isn't it? Where we, everything's really busy and then it goes to absolute nothing. It's trying to deal with that void. And then, but you knew something's coming out. But yeah, you're right. I, I cling on everything. It, you know, if something's coming out and literally I just turn up and go, who went that way? That's a lighthouse for about, you know, or I look at my IMDb page and I go, yeah, well, at least I had two things this year, you know, or even one is better than, you know, or something. I mean, at the moment, I signed a massive NDA for something. It didn't go anywhere. And I was so depressed about hearing. And somebody rung me up for advice on the part, which is also another thing. And you're like, hmm, should I give them terrible advice? But then I got a phone call about something else. And that was great for three weeks. But I don't think that's happening either. So you, you get it all the time, I think. It's just something that you have to... I mean, don't get me wrong, you do, right, all the time. You can sit here and talk about your mantras and everything that keeps you sane, but a lot of the time you're going nuts, you know. Um, talking about checking IMDb, uh, I have that thing sometimes where the new year rolls around and it's almost like everyone's, like, so you've got some stuff on your CV that's 2018, right, and you're like mm. two things or one thing. Like, oh, I'm working in the present. Yeah. 2019 comes a knocking and all of a sudden you haven't worked for a year on the 1st of January I haven't worked this year right <laughs> yeah. and so you're looking at your MDB in like March and at the last 2018 everyone knows I can't yeah. pretend anymore the truth is out there right yeah do you, do you feel I'm not the only person that feels like that all, right? all the time you know like it's like you know 
it's climbing up a ladder, isn't it? And you don't see how far you've come naturally, but I don't think you can allow yourself because otherwise you might take your foot off the brake or what, uh, foot off the off the accelerator. But if your younger self could come up and say, look, you've done all this, but that ain't never going to happen because no. you're dealing with yourself from a month ago or a week, wherever your mindset is. So, yeah, you're always like, well, you come out of a project and it's like, I haven't got anything. And it's like the biggest thing is just to have something in the pipeline. So you know? what are your mantras then? Keep on keeping and either be stupid or bloody minded, either or it works. Just keep going. I have this thing where I want to go to Alaska and, and chop trees down and forget it. I'd kill somebody. I'd kill myself because I'm so bad with my hands, you know, like uh, doing jobs. Nobody wants me in Alaska doing anything. I'm stuck doing this. So I'll do it until the day that I die. So you just have to keep on keeping. Just keep doing it, you know. But it's horrendous. But then it's fantastic. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. It's like you go from these moments of like... It's horrendous. But it's fantastic. But it is, you know. It's like the I was talking about it to you earlier about those uh, motorbike adventures that I had in India. I had about two or three of them, and they're a mixture of dysentery, <laughs> nearly crying, nearly dying, to like, and then that moment in the afternoon of standing in front of the Himalayas and going, "Wow!" And that's what everything's like. If we all followed our comfort thing, we wouldn't be happy. But the whole thing is an adventure is a combination of dysentery yeah. and brilliance. Do you yeah. know what I and mean? And the problem is that, that so few people will acknowledge that there was dysentery on the way to stand in front of the Himalayas. Well, they can't, you see, because they've got the studio behind them and you can't stand and go, you know, when I was up nearly every night, when my uh, I nearly crashed and burnt my relationship because, you know. But that's what, that's, that, I guess it's not just acting. That's like, I was watching the, the, the press conference with Neil Armstrong and the other astronauts the other day after they come back from the moon and you know those guys who spent like 10 years of their lives yeah towards this thing and you know there's been failures along the way because that's how you make progress right NASA ha- that not everything su- was successful yeah but, sure but they're towing the party line and anytime anybody asks a difficult question there's three smirks and then you hear the kind of like you know well we worked really hard on that and blah 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 like the, 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 the truth is just not part of the story that, no. that, or or that the pain isn't part of the story or the failure. But it can't or... be like the weight of imagination. Like you've just got to do a good job. You can't say, look, so-and-so was a real tosspole all the way through that, but I really fell in love with so-and-so from it. You can't, it's not. And if anybody ever asks you, you know, did you love the first mimic? I, I'll say yes, but I wasn't just because I was terrified, not because I didn't like getting up every day going to work. And th- that's the thing is like, that you have to lie in a way because people don't want to know that. They'll just want to know that you love doing it because they love watching it. And then if you go, you know, well, at the time I had this stomach thing. <laughs> and it's like when people stop you in the street and they go, you're doing all right. And they go, well, mum's not well. And, you know, I've got this bunion. And it's like, no, just say everything. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. I'm not dying. That'll do, you know. And that's the thing is people don't. People don't want to hear it, and I don't think they should hear it. That's up to you. That's that whole thing with being an actor is when it's all ramped up there and everybody, you know, the car hasn't turned up for that other person and we can't get that other shit, and you know the level of anxiety coming from you. And then, you know, people uh, are coming across going, excuse me, what's going on halfway through the set? And you just got to keep your shit together. 
you can't not do it, you know. you just got to put up with it and go. And if anybody says anything, you go, yeah, it was fantastic. It was we such have a joy. This, but we have this really unhealthy, I think, thing. with The whole show must go on thing, which is part of that, um, is kind of deeply unhealthy because... Just, just turn the clip, clock the clip around a wee bit at you. Um, it's deeply unhealthy because, you know, I've seen people go on stage when they really shouldn't be going on stage, for example, right? And I think the kind of psychology of it is that you can't acknowledge weakness. Yeah, no matter what happens, I'll work. I'll turn up. I'll be fine. You don't need to worry about me. I will be there. Yeah. And I will not be one of the people. Like, actors, my mate, who's not an actor, says, all oh, my actor mates are really flaky. And I'm like, no, they're not really flaky, dude. It's just whenever you have a fucking party, they go, I can't go because I've got an audition the next day. Yeah. And he's like, fucking flaky, you said you'd be there. Or like, actually, they're the least flaky people in the world. Like, actors are the least, like... You want me to go into the land that what freezing cold water for two hours? Like I'm probably gonna do it and not complain, even though I think it's probably not safe because I'm afraid I'll never work again. Oh yeah, right. Because that's the thing is, I'm afraid I'll never work again. Yeah, but you should. You should say no because you you get pneumonia and you can't do anything. There's lots of it. And you know what I mean. And that's that's the thing is the pressure on us. And it's not just those circumstances. It's, It's everything. It's like, it's like you know you don't get colds. You don't get. You just battle on, battle on. Whereas everyone else in the set will be like, fuck, that's going around the whole, like it's, you're the only person that has to go suck it up and deal with it. And that sounds like I'm making it out to be, I always say that deep sea fucking fishermen are like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I'm working on the noise. Like I'm not, but like there is something about that that's deeply unhealthy, that sense of like. Yeah, you do have to learn, like again, there is no set rule for anything in life as far as I can see. You know, some people shouldn't be, some people can't remember their lines, but when they do, they're, amazing yeah uh some people aren't you know but it's like when you get to that stage where you should say and i've worked with some great people who have gone excuse me i've got a load of people in my eye line and i'm trying to look off in the distance and they've stopped it and i've gone my god you can say that you can ask the crew to and, and you you can't there are things like that i've learned where you need to say, now nah, I'm getting too cold now. You know, like we were out. So we, Are you okay? No, I'm totally fine. And then it shows up on I literally, it's meant I, to be summer. I, I and you're had like, to be like taken in somewhere and like warm back up again. And in the end, he said, I think my character has a coat in this, you know. And then another actor was wheeled out and her eyes were just watering because it was so cold. We were up on this uh, like hill or something. So you've got to learn where that is. I just think as long as you're not being a, a, an idiot, but then the industry's full of idiots as well, so. Yeah. Um, do you enjoy the process of auditioning? No, but yes. I enjoy the bit before I get there, and I love the bit when you walk out. That's what I'm talking about, that adventure. When you walk out, you know, high-fiving people on the street. <laughs> They're like, well, calm down. Buy tickets to the best theatre in London the new way. With the Today Ticks app, getting great offers and access to exclusive tickets has never been easier. With Today Ticks Rush, you won't have to queue at the box office for hours to get day seats, and you can access big savings with their lotteries. Download Today Ticks, the theatre ticket app from the App Store and Google Play and STD. See theatre differently. Um, do, you, do you generally think they like they've gone well? Then is it something that you? Well, I've might been be lucky like... because I've I've had when I did that uh, film, I sat in on them, and when they got to the last round on the mimic, I come in and sat on them. So I've seen people 
fluff it to, you know, God knows where and still get the part. So I'm a lot more relaxed about it now. Um, but it depends. Like car adverts are some of the worst stuff. Because I see so many people and sometimes they're so rude, you know. And it's hard to kind of get through that. But you can kind of suck that in. But I'm a lot calmer about it since I've been sitting in on them. Because they're just looking for somebody who's right. Not always right. But you could go in and you could do it technically brilliantly. And hit all the beats and say every single word but they're not going to choose you because they want someone else. So all you can do is what you do. So I'm, I have that thing where I have the fear when I reach down for the handle of the door to walk in. But from the moment I walk in, I'm lucky enough to be so low IQ that I can kind of bury it and just walk in and, and do it all and then, and then come out and then high five people. Uh, what if it goes badly? Well, they go badly all the time. And sometimes people Does it affect like, you? Like you, I mean, you've got a bit of a journey down here to get home. Do, you, do would it linger on the train? Or yeah, is it... always. Yeah, I mean, because but isn't everything you ever do in TV or anything that's recorded? You're like, I could have done that better. Oh, look at me! Look at me saying that that word there. I know that I'm. I'm at. Oh, have you, you ever know. looked at yourself in something and thought, that's brilliant? Maybe, but it had no words in it. And I was impressed because I got a lot better. But mainly, as somebody who does little vignettes on uh, Instagram and stuff, I'm always looking at, oh, no, don't end with that word. Don't, you know, there's a certain writer quality sometimes where you're going, oh, no, don't, oh, shouldn't have left it there, should have gone there, and that, that should have gone there. So you're always rejigging it. That's why it's really hard. I did this thing for in for live record and I was the worst person in the room and they had to keep coming down and I'd written it and they had to keep coming down and going, Terry, you're not projecting enough. And I'd go, mental note to self, project. And they'd go, right, got it. And then I'd go do it again. They'd come back down. Did you not do it? Must have said it about six times. And that's just something like, some days you just can't get your head around something and it's not your fault. Um, and just just as you say that, because I recognise that voice um, from your Instagram, I'm, I'm like, I'm wondering, does the ability to impersonate great actors ever help? I ask this because I was once given the note by a director in a film that he needed me to be Laurence Olivier after the first take. He said, I need you to be Laurence Olivier. I was playing a theatre a actor, right? I need you to be Lawrence Levier, which I took as one of the worst notes I've ever received. Right? Yeah. Horrible. So note. would I. <laughs> but like, sometimes people do just want you to be the person that they couldn't get. Because, yeah, sure. Because time has passed and that person's deceased <laughs> or because whatever it is. And it, I mean, do you ever think, look at a part and think, do you know who would play this part? And, and work from there. Have you ever, have you ever used your impersonations no. as a starting so point? I never work more than a sentence above. A good impersonation lasts about a sentence or I can get it down to a minute and that's fine. So, so a lot of that mimic stuff's really hard. You can kind of think like them, but you're only borrowing and you're only ever you. So to get a note to say that, that would be truly horrific because you can't. How the hell... I just thought you've at that point. I'm already on set. I'm already in costume. And I thought you've hired the wrong actor then. Yeah, 
Like, I just couldn't. No, I couldn't I, be further from Lawrence that, Olivier. That, yeah, I know. And then you're left with that. And they're like, I need you to be Lawrence Olivier. Okay, thanks. And action. No, you're only a. That's why when I muck around and do mine, I pick characters like my crappy Brian Cox, who doesn't know anything about science. Because if you ask me, you know what I mean? I don't, I'm not interested in trying to do a good impersonation. I'm just. Have you ever been around. approached to do like bio pick stuff? I don't know if it's biopic or biopic. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the odd the odd thing, but it will be for someone quite big, you know, and it will be little bits. But yeah, I was up for a Ken Dodd one, but I think there was legal implications, and that was like going to be a, a total head melter, melter, because you can't, you know, you're only, and again, you're only ever picking what you can do. You're never doing it, but no one's doing it. If anybody thinks they're doing a good impersonation, they're they're fooled. You know, it's all smoke and mirrors. You just you. Twisting things of how they would say, but you can't. That that film I got when I walked in, it's a it was a big part for a, a, a this American guy in eighteen seventy who who was a pioneer of a lot of things. And I had to walk in, and I thought, oh, I remember them talking about Sean Connery the first time he walked in uh, to Bond, and they said, and I walked in like, you know, what I thought was like I own the place, you know, with a little smile on my face. And I sat down and I crossed my legs and I football kicked the table into, into the stratosphere. And there's something about oh, sorry. Well, yeah, there's something about watching the director and the producers scrambling around to pick up their water and save their laptops to think that I've totally fucked it. And then when I got up and did it, and for some reason I'm just looking at them and that little drummer boy come in again and went oh you kicked the table over didn't you and I'm like blah, 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 blah. and and I just went I'm so sorry I'm going to have to start again and I got it that's why I mean you never know you never know and then I'll tell you what you might not have got it but then three people drop out in a row and you get it do you know what I mean you just got to keep going it's How just how important nonsense. is talent then if, if, if you never know and assuming that we're all whatever talent we each have is a constant hmm. and yes we can be good in things but, but I, I personally believe the reasons why I'm good and bad thing, and things are external I guess I have to believe that I can't believe that it's my fault all the time yeah. usually it's external right it's external factors that mean whether yeah, I'm good or, or it bad. went right that day right. yeah right you can get your hand around it that day um, but assuming that talent is a constant within each of us and you know we approach each thing with the same level of care um how important do you think how talented you is or you are is or how important luck is, I suppose, is the is the clearer way of asking that it's question. A, it's a match, isn't it? I, I think you need to be more talented than you need to be lucky because luck, luck can get you in those situations. But Christ, if you've got to be prepared for it, you know, because like I say, you, if you're in the middle of a great cast and you don't know your shit, it's all going to fall apart real soon. But I'd say talent is pretty much everything. And then fuck it, if you just end up in um, Azerbaijan doing travelling shows, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? As long as you're happy, as long as you're doing it and can barely pay the bills, you know, because we say as long as I can pay the rent. But as long as we just about, you know, shuffle things around and get the rent, but talent's everything, I'd say. I mean, I've been with people who, who don't know their lines for crap, but nearly everything that's come out has been fantastic. Yeah. And I was with one uh, actor and she gave such a brilliant performance that it actually like knocked me back. And it come to do my line and I went, I'm sorry, I don't know where I am. 
and I could tell she was a bit pissed off because I'd kind of, but they still edited there it together. The, there are those moments where you know when you look into someone's eyes. This again, I, th- I think this must be true. I, I, I've been in things where I've looked in someone's eyes and went, holy shit, they're really doing this. Yeah. They are, they, oh, oh, uh, fuck, this is, they're, that's not, an, that's, and you can almost kind of like, you can see that it's not quite them. They have left the room. Somebody else has walked yeah. in. And for the duration of that action to cut, you're being faced with somebody who is 100% in that moment. Yeah. And it kind of, A, it illuminates the fact that you're not, right? So you go, you go, oh shit, I am actually still here. <laughs> I should have, this voice should have, should have been silenced. <laughs> but that's point. it, yeah. yeah. And also it, it that's it, what I call my little drama boy, constantly yeah. interfering. Just fuck off and let me be in the moment. I yeah. think that's the biggest thing, yeah. What am I doing with my hands? But that's the greatest, that's what I had when I first worked with uh, Neil Maskell and what gave me the bug for acting is when it's okay to go off and do monologue and be a comedian and, and remember things. But when you're looking at another actor and their eyes are giving you back as much pretend as you're giving them pretend, mm. it's like, wow. This is like playing tennis. This yeah. is fantastic. But then that can often fall apart and you're looking in, you know, a very capable set of eyes. And you yeah. feel like, they see me. They know. They see your little cowering in the corner of your mind going, ah. Cowering in the corner of your mind. But, yeah. Brilliant. But the, that, that tennis game of when it's all going really, really well, that's, the, that's where you go, right, it's worth all that learning lines because learning lines just takes up so much of your time you know do you believe in big bricks well i have to i guess because i started off on my show and i mean i'm 36 uh, and i'm a roadie and a multi multi drop van driver so i guess i have to but they're not going to be how you see them in your mind, we all have this thing of how we perceive everything to be. And we go, I just need to get a decent role and everything will be all right. And it isn't that. It's like moving down here to Brighton's really helped for me to like forge out a real life in between acting. And I think that's what you have to get is not put everything onto that big break. Because Christ, that's opened everything up for me. I get a lot more mm. stuff than I would ever but I mean, I still battle with the comedian brand and the impersonation brand. But I mean, I don't. I still get some good, really good auditions. But it's a gear one, you know. It's always rolling, you know. And where you think it's going to take you, it might not. Um, so your big break is a big break. But it, it might not be the big break for the rest of your life. I mean, how many actors do you know who are in the biggest series ever? And then, you know... Next minute, they're all out. They're all auditioning again, and you know, which you never stop doing anyway. Unless We're you're... the cast of ET now. Like, yeah. All you've got to do is look at Buzzfeed, and you realise that acting is a precarious profession. God, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> what's the longest you've gone then uh, without work? And I guess it's different because for me, anyway, like I would do voiceover work when I'm not working, but it would never feel like. Um, acting for me, it like, is, so, and it is, and it is it because you know I mean? it, it is like <clears throat> the moment I first started doing voiceovers, I thought, right, I'm giving this my all, you know. So if I'm pretending to be, you know, a hamster detective from New York, I will 
be in that moment so you'll get a good tip but it isn't it's not standing in front of a camera and pretending to be someone else doing that. Oh, it's God. a different skill, right? Yeah, I mean, it is God. totally different skills. So. Yeah, I mean, any, you can do stuff in front of a mic. Fearlessly. Yeah. Um, so what then, in terms of, like, what, what do you think is the longest you've gone without? Oh, well, here's gainful. another thing. Here's the oh. way your mind works. Like, I will tell you possibly maybe over a year, but it's possibly not true. Like, I've got bits and bobs, like a friend's doing a short or yeah. something like that. But, but you, I'll I, tell myself, I haven't worked in four years. And my but, girlfriend's always like, no, that's totally yeah, but, not but true. But how you qualify, it's always interesting, I think, because it, like, it's all relative, right? So I imagine if you're, if you're uh, Ian McKellen and you haven't done a franchise movie in a year, you feel like... But you've probably been doing shit tons of stuff that hasn't even gone on your radar yeah. in the meantime, right? And yeah, it's probably a bad example. Actually, everything he does is pretty awesome. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? There's a certain level of actor, I think, where, and I think it's everybody in in, the, in that very overinflated middle band, which is like, you know, I, if I haven't worked in nine months and I get a day's filming, it'll feel like the greatest fucking win. Yeah. Until the day's done, then I'll think, like, I still feel like I haven't actually worked because I've went in as a visitor on someone else's job, said hello, and no one's known my name, and the first day he's referred to me by my character name because, quite frankly, he doesn't have time to know or take an interest in me, right? And so you go back in and you think, do I reset the clock or do I not? Re I don't know. It, no, you should, wear, you should wear stuff like armour, like everything you do. And don't get me wrong, when I walk into an audition... the my armor completely falls off, but when I get into like as it should, Terence. yes, and I become the person, <laughs> the truth. Um, but I wear stuff like the mimic as like a breastplate and like the independent. You know what I mean? I uh, to try and deal with the the demons that are in my head, and also it's one of the only professions where you're forever in reserve, right? So I got interested in this years ago because I acting because I saw this French guy pick up uh, uh, one of the biggest wards in France, and he said, "Oh my God! For years I've been a, a waiter, and when people ask me what I do, I've always said I've been a waiter. But I guess I should have said I'm an actor." And I was like, "Wow, that really got me." It was because it's true. Because I mean, I know people tend to overcook the books these days. They go, "I'm a producer. I'm a poet." You know, they're always like five things. But you can be a great actor and not be in work. Do you know what I mean? It's like, because you have to be prepped and ready to go. So when they say go, you can go. So has being unemployed gotten easier? So like I, I take on board that thing about always being ready and always, but that's quite hard. It's like, I used to always say to friends who were, were actors, when I was feeling like I was in really good shape, I would walk in the rooms more confident. And I also had a few jobs where I had to take a lot of clothes off and I'd be like, I wasn't in as good shape. And I told myself, you should always be ready. And that means in every way. So you should be ready if someone says, can you mind doing this in your boxers where you don't go, I can't stand up straight because I'm afraid everybody's looking at me. And that can be psychological <laughs> as well as physical, right? It can be, you have to be psychologically ready for that shit, right? But equally, I find myself that it's very hard to maintain that. So if you use the physical thing as an example, it's very hard to be constantly ready to do an underwear shoot for 
with whenever you don't know when you're going to work again. Right? Yeah. So so that's that's virtually impossible. I should also add that I've never done or even considered. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that to to maintain that state of readiness of like I'm ready to go and do the best that I can be. That that's that's hard. Like that's yeah. that's really tough. Um, has have you found strategies for for keeping? I guess primed and ready to go. Have you developed those over time as the process of being out of work or the time of being out of work gotten easier with time and experience or does it still stink as much as it did? Uh, it doesn't stink as much. It's not as bad as it was because I, I moved down to Brighton. So that's helped. The sea helps. Going for a run down. Running is everything, although my knee has disagreed with that. But doing something, physical stuff's great. Like, And we were saying earlier, like... Uh, I've joined uh, a jiu-jitsu club around here. Christ, does everybody beat me up on a regular basis? And then someone's got their knee on my chest. And I'm like, it's, it's not fun. But it's helped so much to have an interest because for so much of my life, it's been like, oh, I can't join a football club or I can't do, you know, because I'm going to move around. I'm going to like try and get a job as an actor and musician, whatever. Uh, so now I'm embracing that a little bit more. So now if the jobs don't come, I'm a lot better with it, but ask me on a certain week. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the thing. Like my whole mantra through this is like, be strong, keep on keeping, but you will have times where you just fall right down, where you get horrendously jealous uh, of somebody to the extent where it's just too much and it shouldn't, it's unhealthy. And you will have moments where you're um, where I should be having a lovely walk down by the sea and it's just like washing over me and I'm down there and going, never gonna work again. What should I do? You know, should I I should just I should just emigrate, you know, go somewhere else, you know. So I think that How do you get yourself out of that? How do you lift yourself out of that? Wash yourself in it, right? Go down as far as you can go <laughs> and then be miserable for three days until you piss yourself off. And then you've got nothing left. I mean, you you have. Do you allow yourself that? Like you would never. You have to lick your wounds all the time because I fucked up so bad. Fucked up in stand up. Fucked up in the music. Uh, had a had a cartoon ready to go on Warner Brothers. Uh, uh, that went really well. And my partner unfortunately passed away. You life it is like like he died a day before the contract was signed and he was the top animator on it. And literally it all fell apart from that moment. And when we got it, we thought we'd, you know, we got it. It was going to be like an 11 episode thing. So you get this shit all the time, grow a beard and walk, walk or run and just walk until you can't walk anymore. I mean, people have seen me walking around just like terrible. Wash yourself in it. Go down as far as you can go, and and let yourself be, let yourself be really jealous, really pissed off. But understand it's nonsense. Like I, when music collapsed, I remember getting drunk at about three o'clock in the afternoon because again, there's no point. It's all you know, just really sorry for myself. And then within two years, I'm up and running again. So just know that it's a down bit. And it may go down even yeah, there's, more. There's nothing worse than beating yourself up for feeling down. Like it's double, it's double whammy. Like I'm not working. I feel shit. Oh, you're such a dick for feeling shit. Like uh, you, know, as you, you should up, be happy because you've got your health or whatever it is. You know, like you, you, that doesn't work. 
because there's something inside you that pushes you along to be great all the time, that pushes you along to want greatness. So you should never really feel guilty. So it's, it's quite hard to go, well, you know, I'm working a bit and I can pay the rent. It's okay to be pissed off that somebody else has got a massive deal. This is the first time, I, when I wrote these questions, the questions I have here are pretty much the questions I wrote like three years ago and I had the idea for this podcast with occasional changes and additions, right? And I put a question at the very start, which I, I kind of stopped asking because I never got the answer I wanted, which was, do, do you occasionally feel jealous of your friends? Because I fucking do, right? Yeah. I have friends who get the most amazing jobs. Now, I have... In for a period of a couple of days, being like, holy oh, fuck, and it's not because I don't love them or because I don't want them to do well. It's because I feel bad because I not that I deserve it, but I would like a bit of that too. Right? Yeah, and that's a natural thing. If I didn't want a bit of it, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, right? Yeah. So I always find it strange or find it when I ask this question at the beginning. Do you ever feel jealous of your friends? People will go, no, and I think either at the beginning, you lying <laughs> bastard, or I'd be like oh, I'm a horrible cunt. Like, I'm the worst person in the world. No. And and it's only then you're talking, I'm like, yes, yes, we can be friends. My mate, my mate. jealous Rich, of each other. My friend Richard Glover, when I first got all the mimics and stuff, he goes, oh, so you're doing really well at the moment, you fucking bastard. And he goes, oh, I'll probably hate you for about 10 minutes of this conversation and then it will ease up. And that's the thing. It does. It's like... And I've been with friends or I've been the friend in a coffee shop when the phone call comes and they go outside to take it and they've got the job. Yeah. And and thankfully it's never been a job I've also been up for. So you're like, oh, that's... Oh, I, right. I have that all the time. You know what I mean? God damn it. But, but then a friend of mine the other day turned up on a trailer for something huge. And if you'd said to me beforehand, and I said this to him the other day, if you said to me beforehand, this is going to happen, how are you going to feel about it? And I went, not great. I'm not, <laughs> not going to lie to you. And then it happened and I surprised myself because it was so big. Yeah. It was almost like I was beaming because it was like, holy shit, it's possible. Yeah. It can happen for anybody, like not anybody, but it, it can happen, right? Yeah. So, but you, but you, you allow yourself to be jealous, right? You have to. You're not here's the thing. You are flawed. You're really flawed as a human being. There's nothing you can do. You've just got to own it when you are a little bit jealous. Maybe not say it, you know, uh, let that person be happy. Don't make them feel guilty for it. But, God, don't beat yourself up about anything. Don't beat yourself up about fucking up an audition. Don't beat yourself up about turning up on the day and not getting any of it right. Because I have, I have screwed up stuff so badly. And then something else always replaces it. Do you know what I mean? And it doesn't matter what it is. It's just, as long as it's something. But as you get older, you really have to double check with yourself. Am I being an arsehole to myself? You've really got... Because you can't half get stuck in the ma- of the mindset of going, come on, Terry, should be running, should be doing a lot better than this. And you just don't... You need to be able to hang out with yourself. Otherwise, there's no hope for you. And if you had a friend that was doing that, you'd hang out with them less. And that's the thing. Re-engage that angel that sits on your shoulder because, God, that devil will just rip you up. He's always sitting there going, didn't get that, did you? Yeah. Mm. You should probably give up, shouldn't you? You should probably. I mean, this is the time. Have you ever thought about giving up? Yeah, all the time. All the time. All the time. Because I have trouble with... Because I was really working class, so I have trouble with enjoying it sometimes, enjoying the people saying that they quite like it and people coming up to me. And because I'm quite private and I live out here, 
I don't see many people. So when I do, I went to a night on Friday, a little beer festival, and you kind of forget that you've done things and lots of people were coming up to me and I'd forgotten even how to talk. And I was like, yeah, I'd have that thing where I wish I could go to Alaska and just walk around. and. But you're terrible with your hands. I would burn it all down. I would burn the whole of Alaska down. And the, that sounds uh, like a veiled threat. I just yeah. want, want, to, want to make it clear. And there'd and be like, there'd be hordes with pitchforks and torches like chasing me out. Oh, it's constantly, I think, about something less. Because like I said about adventure, when you sign up for something big, it's plagued with fear. That's why after when you do it and you pull it off and you didn't fuck it up too much you are on cloud nine afterwards because if it wasn't, you wouldn't be that bothered about it. The working class thing's interesting, right? Because there's a big kind of sense at the moment that opportunities are less for people from poorer backgrounds. And that applies to people who want to go to drama school and can't afford to, people in generation, has to say, mostly below us. That in the industry itself, that, you know, people want the better the Cumberbatches. And that that's in vogue and that it's harder to be kind of a working class actor. There's something else I think which is interesting, which is I think a producer told me because I've recently started trying to direct stuff. And a telly producer who I've known for a long time said to me, you need to stop going into rooms and apologizing for yourself. Because people who've been to public school don't do that. No. There are people who are just no more capable than you, but who will walk into a room and it can be for acting or directing or anything could be a fucking job in a PR company and they will convince people yeah because they have no self-doubt or because they're better at somehow compartmentalizing that or the self-belief that they've been given by virtue of having had you know some yeah I think privileges. There's, there's something in that yeah do you, do you think that 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 working class background in some ways is still still plays a part in I think it's getting a lot better you know because you can be who you want to be now but um there was that thing which I was talking about, like being at school and not singing. If I'd have sung properly, I'd have probably got more opportunities, but you would have stood out more. And that was the thing, you know, if you got too big for yourself, your mates would go, rain it in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, calm down. And I think that is a, that is a problem. You went to school with a load of builders? Yeah, pretty much. And I, who I <laughs> love to death. They're yeah. my dearest friends now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I get more excited about a night out with a, with a bunch of builders. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds rather suspicious, but you know what I mean? Like I'm more at home with, you know, everyday people. But the thing is, is yeah, there's a guilt. It's like a Catholic guilt. It's a weird thing where you shouldn't have too many holidays and you shouldn't have too many things and you should be okay with things just being okay. Have you found it hard to enjoy? Yeah, everything. Being, but being unemployed because I it took me a long time to work out I've said this many times before there are worse things than being an unemployed actor right but that there's that thing of like I'm not working so I have to do stuff and I know friends who are actors and it has to be said most of them from affluent backgrounds who seem to just naturally fall into the sofa life who yeah. seem to naturally just oh just just that's fine like because the universe will provide like have you found it especially as someone who had a, a career as a working person, as a person who had to work, you know, day in, day out, hours, driving a van, you know, being a roadie to make a living. Have you found the transition to sitting on a sofa with a cup of coffee, you know, stroking a cat like a Bond villain 
uh, in many ways. But have you found that I kind of, that, you do, ever, do you ever find, is there a guilt in there for that, that you can't fully enjoy that? No, I think I put that to Rodian towards the end. I was only working weekends, but I do have that thing where I do need to do stuff. I will need to, like people will be shocked that I'll help them move a sofa out, you know, because I'll just need to drive a van or put a pair of gloves on. Or chop something down. Chop it down, mate. I didn't want you to chop it down. It'll need to come down. It'll need to come down. (laughs) Ooh, you want it there? Um, But no, I'm okay. But yeah, I mean, you always... It's a weird thing. Like, when you're in the middle of something, you're tired and you want it to end immediately. And then it ends. And within two days, you're like, oh, I could do with another one of them, really. So it's a strange sort of thing. But there's something definitely in that. My first agent had to drum that working class out of me because you're always like, yeah, well, we'll do all right. You know, got a series. Yeah. yeah, God. And like I said, working with those big actors and working with Ian McKellen again, they, they, they don't apologise. They don't even go, I'm doing it again. They just do it again and you work it out. And I think as long as you're not being an arsehole, then that's fine. Uh, Otherwise, you're a big Hugh Grant mess of. Oh, sorry, 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 about that. sorry, just, sorry. Oh, bugger, bugger. We should say Hugh Grant playing a character. I don't know if he's he could be. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, he, he could be. He well, could... he is very stern, Keith, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, he is. He, yeah. Interesting. And that won't be in. Um. <laughs> uh, how do your friends? So you said you spent you're more comfortable around people you know like your friends you went to school with and stuff how do they view what what it is that you do like do they think of your life as being kind of living that oh terry's down in brighton by the sea he's got a, he's been on telly he's probably loaded I, I don't think i mean i i i am still friends with them but i don't see them that regularly anybody i went to school with i've always been moving around you know i've always been chasing it down and and moving from people to people. Um, what about the guys in the Jiu-Jitsu club? The guys who pummel your your face. Oh, that's so that's so work. That's so working class. No one even says anything. Blokes don't because it's the proximity in that. It's basically cuddling each other. Uh, no, you, it's not, I don't think what? that's how it's, it's certainly. I mean, it's it's aggressive. It's, it's cuddling. Joey Tribbiani's Taylor moment. <laughs> that's not how they're supposed to do that. Yeah, they don't. Uh, there's not much talking go on there. I mean, your, that, your like, life could be falling apart, and no one would ever ask. See, because I joined, as I said earlier, our local climbing club, and I've been there like six weeks. And there's that thing of like, I know one of the guys drives a bus. Um, I know one of the guys is a student and works like during the day in a school. He's an open university degrees older. I, I don't know what they, but let's just say it's fairly certain none of them are actors, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm positive of that. And so the other day, somebody asked me what I did. And instead, because I always, it's not that I'm embarrassed about being an actor or I don't feel I am an actor because I absolutely am. It's just that sometimes that's just not necessary information in a certain context. And because you know what the, what you know what the, what that, that kicks into effect, like a series of dominoes that are, what are you in? Do we recognise you in many things? If you're a comedian or you own a van, things you should never say. You say you're a man with a van, that's it. You are going to move a telly or a cupboard for him. Yeah. Yeah. So you just want to go, yeah, I lie all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I normally say voice. I do just do voice over stuff. Well, I said I I work. When we first moved down, I was struggling with a, a quick answer. So I said I work in TV. Yeah. Right. 
which was not satisfactory because then they're like, well, what, what kind of TV shows? Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. And you realize actors are not exclusive to that. Oh, I dead end them. I say, oh, you know, cartoons and stuff. Bob the Builder, I did a little bit for stuff like that. And then it's just back to normal stuff. Yeah. But you don't talk that much because you're there to climb or, or do jiu-jitsu or whatever. You know what I mean? You're there to hurt each yeah. other or jump around. So there's a little bit in between. Uh, but they yeah, all I'm want, all, to, I'm they all want to know why I have no grip strength. So then I kind of had to tell them. They were like, you have really bad grip strength. What do you do for a living? <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm an actor. I'm a truth soothsayer. <laughs> I speak yeah. the truth. Yeah, so anyway, enough about me. You know, we've been rifling through these at a, at a, a heady pace and also kind of jumping about and I've been following, exposing my interest where it's taken me because you've said a few things that have been like, oh, that's kind of... And so I've followed those rather than, than following the script, which I think... It's probably the best way to go. Now they've been doing it for like three years. Um, do you, you... So you consider yourself an actor? We obviously, right? I have to. Otherwise right. I'm dead in the water. And I should be very proud to say I'm an actor. And I do it all the time. Like uh, I'm out with people and they say, well, what are you, what are you in at the minute? And I go, oh, nothing. And then the mate goes, actually, you just did that. for You know, I easily just fall apart as if I've never done it. I've come out of so many auditions where they've asked me, what have you been in recently? And I've struggled to answer the question. I've walked yeah. out and went, you did you, you, for what? Because you're in, you just, it's almost like the kid who is always doing wrong and has done nothing wrong and something happens. And they go, <laughs> did you do it? And the kid goes, I don't know, did I do it? Like, <laughs> like, it's almost like that thing of like, because you're so used to, feeling i don't know maybe feeling like inadequate or if like you're failing or so someone asks you and you're actually succeeding you don't see the success because your automatic response is to assume yeah embarrassment like to assume i'm ah i'll just disguise yeah i'm not very good for sticking up for myself you know which is a thing you need to do all the time and go yeah you know i've been in a lot of things and da da and uh, and i'll just go nah nothing do you buy it? Do you buy into that kind of? I mean, you talked earlier about like you know, being on PR kind of things of doing talk shows or whatever for for the show. Do you, do you buy into that as being important? Nah, some people have been horrific at doing that sort of stuff, and they're fantastic actors. This is if you're good at it, you're good at it. But no, again. Talent, I suppose, that comes down yeah, to yeah, like and great character actors just tend to be a bit bit blank on those sort of things anyway. And I mean, well, even some great comedians go on there and they're and they're crap. Do you know mm. what I mean? And but they're fucking fantastic comedians. Yeah, those things are you know you tapped into the mainframe again. Those yeah. people. I remember my first time on Jay, man, they took me up to the top of the stairs and the top of the stairs is totally fake, right? Yeah. Like the top of the stairs on Coronation Street or something and this woman's in the mainframe. She goes, well, when you go down, you know, uh, there's a mark at the bottom of the floor. I want you just to acknowledge everybody, acknowledge the camera and then walk on and like, that's just... <laughs> and I walk out and I say hello and there's about over 100 people there. There's too many. I go sit down. I've not watched Britain's Got Talent, so I didn't know a dog had won it. Pudsey was it. So Alan Carr's glasses. <laughs> Alan Carr's glasses are totally steamed up because he's been dancing around in the. Bra- I had no idea, and I went to sit down, and uh, David Williams put his finger like that where my uh, arsehole t- was going to be. Yeah, yeah, and I sat down straight on it, and I was like, 
And he's like, okay, we're going to dance now. Here's a dog. And he's walking around. And I, I said to my agent, they could have brought a kid and shot it. And I just clapped. I said, I have no idea what went on. And I remember Morgana, who I was on the show with, said, yes, say please. something, Terry. Say something. Totally shit. Totally terrible. Just overwhelmed, I guess. It's like but everybody's in that mainframe. That's that thing. That's why it's hard when you go on a lead actors and he's got a relationship with everybody and they're like, no, he's doing it later and you're the odd one out. It's, it's always getting ready to be that odd one out. Um, do you consider yourself successful? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no. I mean, well, yes, I think I have to. Otherwise, I just can't go on with it. Do you know what I mean? It's relative though, right? Yeah. Like I say, life's always like climbing up a ladder. If you could take me back to my 11-year-old self and say, look, you're here, I'd go, my God, I'm successful. But because I'm that far up the ladder, all I do is look up (laughs) and go, I should be much further up there. It's like being in a mountain range. It occurs to me, it occurred to me earlier and you're speaking, it's like being a mountain range and you're constantly looking at the peaks and all of a sudden you stumble across a cliff and you forget how high you, how high up you were to begin yeah. with. You forget, because you're constantly looking up to see the peaks where other people are, you forget that actually on, on the journey, there's a huge place, there's, <laughs> this is depressing, everyone's got a long way to fall, doesn't matter where you think you are. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do you think your 14-year-old self the guy who's afraid to sing in his music class, sing too well. Do you think he would look at you now and be like, holy fuck, he's done well? Or what What would his reaction be to this, this Terry? Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. What the, what, what? Uh, yeah, that's what I have to say to myself at the time. He'd be really impressed. But me now, you know, it, it's tough. But then I think you have to have that in you to strive you forward. But you're always battling with it. But like I said, when you don't get auditions, it's the hardest thing in the world. And really getting auditions is such a gift because that didn't felt with the mental process of like, at least I'm in a position where I'm getting that. I quite like the journey up now as well. Like also having moved away, I thought, oh, it's going to be a pain in the arse having to do a bit of travelling. And I have to do a little bit more. It's an hour and a half for me. But I actually... That to me is kind of like slightly better preparation than a fucking hurried tube journey. Like actually getting on a train, sitting for an hour and a half and getting a seat and having half an hour to look at the script and an hour to look out the window. It's really nice. And then on the way back, knowing before I step into my home and have to interact with my wife and if I've come out thinking I fucked it, by the time I get off the train an hour and a half later, I don't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you've got to do no matter where you live is put it, you've, you've done it. It's the same as anything. You went, you did it. As long as you knew the lines, kind of, and you hit those beats, you did as good as you could. Just let it go. Because it's chaos. And I think that's what's really hard, being self-employed or being an actor, is giving in to the chaos. Because, I mean, the, there's been times where I've been so jealous and a mate's got a film and I've had to go out walking again to try and deal with the agony of them getting it because I remember I saw it on I saw it on Twitter that they got it and I was like so happy for you throughout the window that film didn't get distribution and it didn't go anywhere and nobody saw it and then like two weeks later I got something else so you have to know that it's junk and don't 
dwell in it too long because the amount of times you get a phone call and they go, I mean, I did something recently and they made me, or I auditioned a couple of times, but they made me do it six times in the room. And each time the director's like, you're not quite getting it, Terry. <laughs> we need it less. Which is, which is helpful. Yeah, we need it less. In this, we're trying to do things less and you're being a bit over the top. And you want to go into a room and, and like, everybody, he's, he's amazing, he's brilliant, but you're going to hear this shit all the time. And you stumble through it and you do it. And you get that train ride home and you think I fucked it. And then four months later, that's the even biggest bitch where yeah. you buried it out in the garden and you've dealt with it. And they go, you've got it. And you go, well, what was all that about? You know, I, I got a job recently uh, where my agent called and said, you've got and then mentioned the job. And I had to go. I've got so good at just getting rid of them. Which one was that? Yeah. Because I'm like. And it was a slightly obscure title, but equally I've, I've kind of, I do genuinely believe, and it's taken me 15 years to get to the point where I go like, out the room and assume I haven't got it. Yeah, and, put and, it to bed. And, and know that I have to be fine with that. Because if you walk out and you know, and you you can't assume you haven't got it and be fine with that, then you're going to struggle, right? Yeah, God. And you haven't got that job. And now you're struggling about work that you haven't got. God, it's a minefield. You're just going to have to learn to to deal with it. Like I said, I had this thing I signed an NDA for. I can't even talk about it now. I loved this thing as a kid. Like, if I'd have got this job, I could have just, like, gone, well, that's it. I bloody made it, you know. And it wasn't a massive job, but it was for a character that I really cared about growing up. Didn't get it. I mean, they're filming it now. So either that or they forgot to let me know, and they're going to let me know tomorrow. Instantly... Uh, I dealt with that, and then three weeks later, they rung up with another job that is completely at the different end of the spectrum right. and something else, and I haven't got that either, but <laughs> I moved my emotions onto it, you know what I mean? But, really, but <laughs> then another thing came in, I didn't get that. Um, but that's what I mean, you are literally throwing your, your rope and, and hook onto little rafts. You've, you've I think come up with a couple of crackers today in terms of like you may not feel this but in terms of like pearls of wisdom kind of in in that kind of coping with it kind of thing because it's fair to say i think you've had to make a fairly accelerated that like that fairly accelerated process and probably coming into it in your mid-30s made that easier because you come with a lot of life experience See your and, failures. It, and it matters less i guess yeah. than if you're 21 and it's like all you've wanted to do and you've always and everybody knows it's what you want to do um but like, if you could go back to yourself driving the van and offer yourself advice to make that process even easier, if you could, if you could boil what you've learned down to a few things, or you know, if you were to write them on a on a on a board or write them on a piece of paper and just leave it on the dash of the van, <laughs> like what kind of things might be on that list? Oh, just trust in the chaos. You've got no control out of over everything. We haven't You've got no control over nothing. Just give yourself over to it because it. This other guy, the other day, I speak to him all the time, and he's about ten years younger, and he's always asking me for advice. And I always say to him, I can't really give you advice. All I can tell you is how to deal with it because everybody's journey is completely different. And I could say, look, go and do theatre work there, and it, and he misses 
you could say, listen, go and drive a van for 10 years. Yeah. You haven't driven a van for long enough. <laughs> what you need to do is you need to try and fail, and it's very important you fail. Just keep going around music. the M25 right. until you get seasick. You've got to, you know, because you say everybody's journey is different, so you giving advice based on your experience exclusively would be insanity, right? Because you've had a very particular journey towards this. But there must be things that you feel are, are universal. One of them is yeah. trust in the chaos. Trust in the chaos and just do shit. Like I said to you when you first got it, half of the stuff you do ain't going to go nowhere. But it's important I that you... I very personal when you said that. Yeah, I was looking, you, <laughs> I was looking at you listen, bolt right listen. in the eye. You, weren't, you hadn't said anything. You wouldn't even come in. You didn't even pop out of the car. You were still... Listen, mate. <laughs> yeah. Half the stuff you do, it's going nowhere. In fact, scrap that. All of it. Look at that. Uh, it's important that you do stuff for your mental process and and that comes to my other big bit of advice is and I never know how to say it but make ripples get in the water and make ripples and don't expect them to come back straight away but just do something you know and if it's a a crap play in the middle of nowhere that no one's going to see if it's stand up that's never going to get anywhere uh, all the people I met along the way uh, is because I, I got in the water and I just splashed and made ripples. And sometimes, like that YouTube clip I did, my agent, I'd given her a script and she said, it's the biggest load of shit I've ever read. And rather than get pissed off about it, I went, right, what can I do? So the missus was next door and I said, can I borrow your camera? And I literally piled that up on, on the books. I went to cut my hair and the, the clipper fell off. And I took a massive uh, mentalist chunk out. So I had to give myself this crazy haircut. I thought, I can't give up now. And I just did like seven characters just in a row talking absolute crap. But that went out and nothing. It was like four months. And then something happened. Well, things had already happened. I already got signed to a bigger agent. And I was in doing a clip for him for something else, auditioning. And my phone was going crazy. And uh, I forget who, who who did it now, but somebody come along and, and just retweeted it and it went, Pfft. don't expect things to happen all at once. Just do shit and that ripples will go out into the world and it will happen. And that's the same thing about your career. Maybe you won't be that mega movie star. Uh, maybe you'll end up with a strange career. You'll be the greatest hand model in the world, but you'll get somewhere as long as you're doing something. But then again, and this is where it's really hard, sometimes you won't be able to do anything. And it's important that you give in to the chaos and just calm down. Just be your own mate, because, God, you can't half make things much worse than they actually are. Uh, I think that's, you know, not a bad note to finish on. I think it's been a through line anyway in the rest of the interviews, but that sense of, uh, of what was it they say now? Somebody said to me the other day, be kind to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Be kind to yourself, Jonathan. Um, before I go, I have one more question to ask, which is, are you in anything at the minute? No. Love when people say that. I have seen some of the biggest guys in the world asked it in interviews, asked it, you know, in the in the, in the the canteen. No. It's actually my default now, regardless. Yeah. And I've got, like I said, I've got, I've got like one thing might be happening, but treat it like it's not happening. So 
so no. <laughs> Good and proud. No and proud. Listen, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. So that's it for another episode of Honest Actors. Nine of 12 are gone, done, dusted and released. There's only three more to go. Join me in a fortnight for the next in the series. Until then, thanks for listening and speak to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.